0: ...that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer. I'm one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And in this episode, we want to turn our attention for the last time to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, and to the fruit of the Spirit. Now, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, We're talking about those attitudes and characteristics that are developed in the life of a Christian by following those things that the Spirit has revealed in the Word. In other words, we learn from the Scriptures what joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are all about. And then we strive to make them a part of who we are, part of our character, All of them taken together are referred to as the fruit of the Spirit because they go together. It is not a situation where one Christian develops one of these attributes and another Christian develops a different one. Every Christian is expected to develop all of these characteristics, and the truth is we will if we follow the things revealed by the Spirit. In this episode, we're going to consider love. While it may appear first in the list presented in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, I chose to talk about it last. I believe it is the most significant characteristic that we must develop. Indeed, I believe it undergirds and provides a foundation upon which all of the others can grow. The word in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 that is translated as love is agape. There is so much that can be said of the word itself. In the Greek, there are four words that are translated by the single English word love. There's sturgeon, which is natural affection. There's eros, a love of passion. There's phileo, defined as a love that comes out of a person's heart in response to the pleasure he or she takes in a person or an object. It is a love of liking, if I may put it that way. The Greeks often spoke of friendship, and this word was used by them to designate this kind of mutual attraction. And then there is the word agape. It has been called the love of intelligence and purpose, much more than the love of affection. It is a love that recognizes the worth of the object loved. Let me give an illustration. Turning to the well-known passage of John 3.16, we find written there, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. The word translated as loved is the verb form of agape. This helps us to understand, I think, a little bit. Because you see, the love exhibited by God at Calvary was called out of his heart, figuratively speaking, because of the preciousness of each lost soul, precious to God because he sees in each of us one who was made in his own image. Yes, we are marred by sin, but through the work of Jesus on the cross, we can be brought back to what we were before we defiled ourselves with sin. It is a love of self-sacrifice. It is a love that comes from the whole being, heart, soul, and mind. This is the kind of love that Paul had in mind when he penned, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. First, consider this love in our lives as it relates to God. It is a love that realizes we cannot serve two masters. It causes us to understand that there must be a positive decision made to serve the living God above the world and mammon. It is a love that supersedes all others. Jesus described it so well in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, when he said, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. It is a love that is to come from our hearts, recognizing the absolute worthiness of God, of that love, and dedicated to serving him more than anything or anybody else on the world. In First John chapter four, verse nineteen, we find we love him because he first loved us. God expressed his love toward us in action. As we have already noted, he loved so much that he gave his only begotten Son, John three sixteen. Over in Romans chapter five, verses six to eight, we read of that incredible love. Paul wrote, "For while we were still helpless." At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That kind of love demands a response from us, and that response is love in return, our intelligent, willing, purposeful love. Because he has loved us so much, let us love in return. Let us love with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. That is agape. There really is only one way to show that we love God, and it's not by running around shouting it from house to house. It is not by constantly saying, I love God, and it is not by expressing it in some spiffy saying on a bumper sticker. We show our love for God by doing what he tells us to do. John wrote in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. There really is no other way to express the fruit of the love, or fruit of the spirit of love, as it is related to man's response to God. It is interesting to me that love desires presence. If you love someone, you want to be with them, sharing with them, participating with them. You want fellowship with those you love. Since we love yet, or better yet, if we love God, then we long for fellowship with Him. That fellowship is also just like our love, based upon keeping His commandments. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. There it is. The only way to express our love to God and the only way to have fellowship with him is to do what he says. We have to obey. Going back to 1 John chapter 2, we'll consider verses 3 through 6. John wrote, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought also himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. We must keep his commandments, do the truth, walk as he walked, and with the fruit of the Spirit, love within us, we can and we will. There will be no quibbling, no hesitation, no weighing of the consequences. We love God, we obey God. It is as simple as that, and at the same time, it is as demanding as that. Love accepts and does. As John wrote in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. There is also, my friends, an inseparable connection between God for love for God and love for our fellow man, a connection that simply cannot be broken. Looking at 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 through 8, we read, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Thus, if we don't love our fellow Christians, we don't know God. Skipping down to verse 12, we find no one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. If we don't love our fellow Christians, God does not dwell in us. Move further down to verses 20 and 21. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, who he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Thus, if we do not love our fellow Christians, we can say what we will. We do not love God. Secondly, let's talk about this love as it relates to how we feel about and treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. Staying in 1st John and turning to chapter 3 verses 7 through 8, we find John writing, Little children, let no one despise you or deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning the son of god appeared for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil no one who is born of god practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of god by this the children of god and the children of the devil are obvious anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of god nor the one who does not love his brother For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not marvel, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know, love, by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods, and beholds his brother in need, and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, Let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. What a powerful, powerful passage concerning the love of the brethren this is. The point of the whole chapter is love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. In the passage John wrote of the children of God and the children of the devil. The children of the devil have the devil as their father. They live and act as he desires. The children of God have God as their father and they live and act as he desires. Cain showed that he was a child of the devil by what he did. He did not love his brother. John's point is not so much to emphasize the fact of the murder, but the why of the murder. Why did not Cain love his brother? Cain was of the evil one. The fact that Abel was righteous in his conduct caused resentment in Cain. If Cain had been of God, he would have rejoiced in Abel's righteousness. It's no different today, we might add. The righteousness of a Christian is a rebuke to the sinfulness of sinners. No wonder when the world hates us. We have different fathers. Look more closely at verses 14 and 15. One of the proofs of our conversion is that love we have for one another. One may claim to have passed from death to life, but if that one does not love his brother and sisters in Christ, he is still lost. The love of the brethren is serious business indeed. I want us to think about something from this chapter. In verse 15, John calls one who hates his brother, and contextually, it is his brother in Christ, a murderer. Since hating a brother constitutes murder, one who hates is not of god and is therefore condemned hate is everywhere in the world but it cannot be within the body of christ it must not be practiced by those who wear the name of a savior a person may appear to be outstanding to those who know him he may say the right things and be opposed to what he should oppose but if he does not love his brother and sisters in Christ, he is a child of the devil. Think about that. Essentially a pew-warming murderer. So how do we demonstrate this love? Verse 16 shows us that God loved us by his what he did. He laid down his life for us. I know beyond any doubt that God loves me. I know it by what he did. How do I show my love? John tells us we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Should it ever be required of us, we must be willing to lay our lives down on the altar of sacrifice for our brothers and sisters in Christ. There is, however, a more common way of demonstrating our love to every day. When we see a brother or sister in need, whatever that need might be, love prompts us to open our hearts and help. John said don't pretend to love, but demonstrate it by actions. Let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. We have just touched the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, of the passages that show how vital love is in our lives. According to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14, it is the bond by which we are made complete together. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2 instructs us, And walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God is a fragrant aroma. Indeed, love is to be the very atmosphere in which we live our lives as brethren. We should rejoice that love is the fruit of the Spirit. Our lives are so enriched by it and made so much better here. One other point I want to make about this particular aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, love. The point is that it reaches out far beyond our brothers and sisters in Christ. Going to Matthew chapter five, the great sermon on the Mount, we find in verses 43 through 48, where Jesus said, "'You have heard that it was said, "'You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy.' "'But I say to you, love your enemies, "'and pray for those who persecute you "'in order that you may be sons of your Father "'who is in heaven. "'For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax-gatherers do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what do you more than do more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore you are to be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. You know, it's hard to love someone who is mean, hateful, who doesn't do what he ought to do. It's hard to love someone who makes disparaging remarks about you or mistreats you or yours in some way. But with agape, that particular aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, with this love, we can. God's love reaches out to the good and to the evil. I've got to learn to reach out as well, to desire only good for all people, and most of all, to work to free them from sin. For me to be what I ought to be, my love has to include my enemies as well as my brother. It is this fruit of the Spirit that causes me to take the gospel to them. If I love, I want to save. A Christian who never seeks to save the lost does not have agape in his heart. He or she does not have the most basic fruit of the Spirit. Love for God causes us to keep his commandments. Love for the brethren causes us to seek to supply their needs, to carry their burdens, to forbear and forgive, and to give my very life should it prove to be necessary. And love for the world causes us to desire nothing but good for them, and best of all, their salvation. Love always helps us to do what is right. It is produced in our spirit, in our hearts. By the things revealed by the Spirit. Love one another. Therein lies one of the most basic foundational fruits of the Spirit, things to think about.